It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. Mr. Greg Pallast, welcome back. Time for another edition, and there's a lot to talk about now. I, I, it would be interesting if we started, I mean, you've been in Georgia, you've been in Georgia for a long time, you've been going back to Georgia because that's the heart of the matter in terms of the future of the country. Now, I, a Georgia congressman by the name of Barry Loudermilk uh, has gotten some folks' attention because it seems as though he had a tour of the Capitol on the day before the insurrection, he said it was just a local tour. Family people, local you know constituents wanted a tour around. But well, maybe we could start this way, Greg. We we've got some sound on one of the folks who was on his tour the day before, and then was uh, doing some interesting business the next day. Interesting uh, public speaking, if you will. Let's listen to that. It has begun. <laughs> Here at the Washington Monument, Washington, D.C. Say hello to Facebook. Hey, what's going on, man? Glad this to be our, here, bro. This is our fearless leader. Hey, baby. Check out my flag I made, guys. You see it? There you go, baby. <laughs> that's from a certain person. That's right. That's for somebody, somebody special. Somebody special. <laughs> All right. We are basically at the Capitol. Probably close to two million true American patriots. They are swarming and converging, mainly from Constitution Avenue, but from all routes in. There's no escape, Pelosi, Schumer, Nadler. We're coming for you. We're coming in like white on rice for Pelosi, Nadler, <laughs> Schumer, even you, AOC. We're coming to take you out. We'll pull you out by your hairs. How about that, Pelosi? Go. Might as well make yourself another appointment. I'll get done with you. You're going to need a shine up on top of that bald head. The uh, one of the uh, insurrectionists who uh, had a tour the day before and then had some commentary of the day of uh, Greg, this, this is sort of the 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 tone of the of what you documented at the very beginning of all this when you broke the story that the Republican Party was no longer the Republican Party but it was an extreme right-wing operation fully infiltrated and run by extreme right-wingers who were very violent. Well, it depends who's infiltrating whom. What we're finding in Georgia is that while you could say that the uh, alt-right had infiltrated and uh, taken over the Republican Party, uh, you could also say the Republicans were seeking out and trying to join forces with the alt-right. So uh, one of the, uh, of the uh, rioters, of course, one of the planners of the, uh, of the march on the Capitol, which was uh, without, uh, you know, which they knew was against the law, knew it because there had been discussion with the White House, told us it was against the law, which we are tracking. It starts in Georgia because that's where the insurrectionists were 
on the third, fourth, and uh, third and fourth, and and before that, and then they went to Washington from there. They were going to burn down the governor's mansion in the Capitol in Georgia if if the uh, electoral votes weren't given to Trump. When that failed, they moved on to Washington. Now it's important for those who are, of course, since this is a radio show, I just wanted to clarify a couple of the points of that tape you heard when that uh, when that rioter. Uh, who's been, uh, um, by the way, charged, um, when he was, um, and he was given this tour by, uh, Georgia Representative Loudermilk. When he says, look at my flagpole, look at my flag, on, yeah. on the video, you can see he had sharpened the flagpole into yes. a spear. And that's important. He wasn't, well, he wasn't gonna hand the flag to Nancy Pelosi. His plan was to literally spear Nancy Pelosi and then yes. uh, shave her head at uh, um, Schumer and, and AOC as well. But um, so we're talking, we're not talking about a guy who's, who's, about, who's doing a flag ceremony. We're talking about a guy who sharpened his flagpole into a spear. And of course, flagpoles uh, disgustingly were used to beat police. Uh, and we saw that. It was, yeah. I don't know if that was the flag, one of the flagpoles we saw being used as a spear. There were a couple guys. And, uh, the other, yeah, so, um, and also you have to understand when, uh, so, uh, Representative Loudermilk from Georgia, and if you go out into rural Georgia, you have to, I mean, it's, there's two, one thing I'm, I'm looking at, my ninth year of investigating four flashpoints in Georgia and, and other outlets is that, um, you get outside of Atlanta, it's a different planet. Uh, you get outside of Atlanta, you get outside of Savannah, and it's a different Georgia. It's, it's really very much a culture war. Now, Loudermilk, one of the things he won't answer, he won't appear, because, first of all, he's told us a bunch of BS. Number one, he says it's a normal tour by constituents. He had ten yeah. people with them. There's no indication that Mr. Flagpole or anyone else is a Georgia constituent of his. That's kind of unusual at that moment to have people come up uh, from Georgia. First of all, keep in mind that Georgia was having a, its Senate runoff on January 5. The idea that 10 constituents would want a, uh, a tour while they're in the middle of a, uh, of a do or die battle for the U.S. Senate is completely ridiculous. He knows these weren't Georgians. Georgians would not be there. Simple. That's number one. So he knows he lied already. And he can't, and if he's put under oath, that obviously he's going to have to change his story or go to prison or, you know. So that's one. Uh, the, um, uh, so that's, it's very important to understand. Also, the Capitol was closed at that time. There was not a normal tour period. You go in, when kind of the Senate's open, you can see the, you know, our great government in process. That's what tourists go to do. Apparently they were there many hours. That's very unusual for tourists if you've ever been to the Capitol. And they were taken in unusual spots, like security zones, the uh, underground tunnel, which is the escape tunnel for the uh, for members of Congress in an emergency. So they were shown the escape routes. They were shown security uh, doors. They were they were shown some very odd things from people looking to see how our government worked. Um, you know, uh, literally, if this if he'd done this for uh, foreign operatives, uh, that'd be treason. And I'm not sure if. if of people, uh, the security exits and the escape routes for uh, congressmen and senators to people uh, intent on overthrowing a government. I'm not sure if that doesn't go into the uh, level of conspiring for uh, with 
uh, the treasonous, which is, you know, punishable by death in Congress. You know, just lose your seat uh, in the Constitution. Uh, so you have to understand how deadly serious this is. The other thing is that uh, Mikey Sherrill and Tim Ryan know the names of other Congress people who are giving these so-called tours um, of strategic areas. And uh, they've turned those names over to the, uh, interestingly, not to the Justice Department, because they don't trust Merrick Garland, frankly. They turned it over to the D.C. Attorney General, the Washington, D.C. Attorney General, who's much more aggressive and less likely to be uh, tamped down by political influences. So we will see how, how that one comes out. You mean the case, the one that was turned over is the case regarding uh, congressional surveillance and participation in the yes, insurrection? Yes, that was turned over to the, to the D.C. Attorney General. One of the problems is, is it's very difficult to serve subpoenas or get any information from Congress people because they, you know, they do have uh, a reasonable exemption from most legal proceedings. Uh, um, that goes back to when Cromwell... Uh, had troops enter the the uh, the parliament uh, centuries ago and uh, half a, half a millennia ago and um, seize parliament. So the idea is that you can't make members of parliament testify or or otherwise arrest them. Uh, excuse me, members of Congress comes from English common law. So um, you know that, that's good, but on the other hand, it's very hard to make them give up their information. They're refusing to um, to testify. But this is very serious stuff, uh, believe me. And, of course, we've had other, other important revelations that have not been much um, noted in the press. Well, let, let's talk about some other stuff, because you have been doing your job, Greg Pallast, mm -hmm. uh, uh, in Georgia, in Atlanta, at the heart of the matter. There are major elections coming up, and everybody knows uh, that the Republicans are, are in a full-scale battle to limit the right to vote, and the Democrats are essentially hiding. So... Uh, tell us about uh, some of the places you've been investigating. Just give us a little clue about where where this is going in Georgia, what you think might happen. Will there really be a fair election, or will there be one more uh, uh, um, successful operation that undermines uh, a, the possibility of somebody like um, uh, those running for office who really represent the people to, to win? Well, once again, uh, let's set the stage. It, it comes down to Georgia. Who's going to control the U.S. Senate is whether will come down to whether Herschel Walker, Donald Trump's choice for Georgia senator, who's, by the way, from Texas, but he moved back to Georgia <laughs> right. uh, to run for Senate against uh, Raphael Warnock. Warnock won by about 300,000 votes through an, an astonishing effort to overcome the massive vote suppression that he was facing in 2020 and and the runoff of January 2021. Um, since then, um, in Georgia, you've had this bill, which is beyond anything in any other state, called SB 202, signed by Brian Kemp, promoted by his Secretary of State, the supposed hero of MSNBC as the protector of the vote. It's the most, the worst Jim Crow law in the United States. And it, there is a suit. I will say that uh, the Democratic Party did put in one of its lawyers finally. They jumped in with Mark uh, Elias, who's very good. But uh, for the most part, it is the grassroots groups. It's Black Voters Matter. I was down there meeting with Latasha Brown, 
Transformative Justice Coalition with um, uh, Helen Butler from um, Joseph Lowry's uh, organization. Uh, Lowry himself passed away last year. And uh, the grassroots groups are um, trying to countermand these effects. But one of the things I really want people to to look at when they talk about overturning the election, because the January 6th committee keeps talking about, you know, is also promoting this idea that that it was a crazy idea that Mike Pence could somehow um, change the outcome of the election. It's far from crazy. In fact, when I was at the Georgia Historical Society, they reminded me, because Georgia is the center of it, that in fact, the uh, Congress uh, refused to certify the electoral vote in eight, on January 6th of 1877. And that's what ended Reconstruction. Reconstruction did not end in one day. This historical item is not trivia, because as one uh, African-American leader uh, told me, suppressing history is suppressing the vote. History is very much alive in Georgia. The end of Reconstruction, and just so people understand what that is, it, it was the on January 6th when Congress refused to certify the election of Tilden, the Democratic candidate, as president. Even though he won the popular vote and he won the electoral vote, they threw it to a committee. Um, the the GOP and the and the pro segregationist. Uh, uh, basically, the Ku Klux Klan, which controlled the Democratic Party of the South, got together and conspired to overturn the popular vote and the electoral vote. They succeeded because they created a committee. The deciding vote was the justice of the Supreme Court. And the justice of the Supreme Court said one man should not determine the presidency. So he resigned, and that left the segregationists uh, to... Um, uh, place a Republican in under the condition that they would immediately end federal occupation of the South. And federal occupation had basically one single purpose, to protect the black vote. And the federal troops left. Uh, 3,600 black people were lynched. Thousands were murdered. Their lands confiscated. And anyone who tried to vote was whipped, uh, killed, or maybe they just got their, fired from their jobs would be the least. And that continued for 100 years. So you have to understand that nullification, as Martin Luther King called it, is a continuing theme in the fight against the right to vote. It wasn't just this January 6th resurrection, uh, insurrection. And the, like I say, January 6th of 1877, you had a successful overturning and nullification of the vote by Congress and the electoral vote. So it could happen again. This is very, very important for people to understand that that's what they are aiming for. And just to, to give you, a, a, now to go from 1877 to this week, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, the county there, uh, I think it's Otero it's called, is um, um, the uh, election supervisor will not certify the vote for that county, Las Cruces, New Mexico, on the grounds that she suspected the Dominion voting machines. Now, if we, I was just discussing this matter with a lawyer uh, from the Harvard Law Project who is Georgian and in Georgia, very concerned about the new SB202 law, which allows for the nullification and the uh, rejection of certification of the vote, not only by county supervisors, but by a brand new state elections board controlled by a guy named 
Governor Kemp, and if he's not right wing and and uh, suspect enough, the other two votes are controlled by the uh, ultra right wing heads of the state legislature. So you have this state panel, and by the way, Brian Kemp is running is once again running for office and put himself in charge of the election. They took away the powers from the Secretary of State and gave it right to the governor, and he's running against Stacey Abrams. So he's in tra- he's going to decide whether, say, Fulton County, which is Atlanta, whether those votes will be counted, or whether they reject enough precincts that Kemp is elected and Herschel Walker is elected over Warnock and Kemp is elected over Stacey Abrams. This two-hat business as in 2018, when Kemp remained Secretary of State while he was running against Stacey Abrams and set the rules of the vote count, which basically denied her the election. Um, you know, and by the way, in Georgia, just as in most states, if you're Secretary of State and you run for governor, you resign. That's the tradition everywhere, except in the, the one exception being Brian Kemp. He's doing it again by giving himself the authority to certify votes. It's unbelievable, but this non-certification business is now taken for a test drive this week in New Mexico. I'm very interested how the courts will rule on that. This could be a very wow. dangerous precedent. Yep. Wow. Wow, we're speaking with Greg Palace. This is your election crimes bulletin. We've been doing this with Greg for many years, keeping an eye on the vote and all the ways it's being sur- suppressed. And Greg Palast has really been on the front line of that for so many years, since 2000. Um, Greg, the thing that scares me, you know, putting aside, like, the Attorney General and the uh, certain Democrats in key positions are not going to act, I'm, I'm, I- I'm really... The, your typical everyday liberal thinks somehow... Because Trump is such an idiot, and because he has been such a sort of a walking one-man uh, crime syndicate, that he's going to lose. That 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 uh, there's not that much to do, you know. Ha ha, uh, you know. There's all this stuff, and he's such a fool, and he's the you know the the uh, the laughing stock of the nation. But there are a lot of people out there. That are still strong in support. He that he was he had this election stolen from him, and they're going to fight to get it back. So this this, this game is it, it. You know, if you watch MSNBC, you're deluding yourself to think, oh, who's winning and who's losing. Yeah, this committee is. You have to admit, Greg, this investigating committee is unusual in that it lacks the kind of pomposity and the bloviation that most of these committees have. It really is an investigating committee, but that that's not necessarily going to mean much, is it? No, I mean, I will applaud, I mean, you know, again, as an investigator who's worked for government, I'm actually uh, shockingly surprised at how substantial uh, this hearing process has been. You know, it has real gravitas and real information, very, very valuable information. Whether it will make any difference, I don't know. I was just, you know, I was just nearly a month in Georgia all over the state, and I would say it won't make any difference whatsoever because people have made up their opinions about January 6th. And, um, you know, they're concerned about things like, um, you know, like the price of gasoline and inflation. 
And the question becomes, and basically what I've found is that I've talked to people on both sides of this issue, you know, the, the Republicans, both pro and anti-Trump, and the Democrats. And uh, first of all, while the Republicans who are not very comfortable with Trump, they will vote Republican anyway. They don't care how the influence of the party have other issues, and they will vote for Trump even if they're not that comfortable with him either. But the real issue is that not, I have not yet met one single person in Georgia or anywhere in the middle of the country, or almost anywhere, where anyone's changed their, their view. So it's really a question of turnout and being allowed to vote. Vote suppression and vote turnout are going to determine everything, as it did in 2021. Um, and that's going to be the issue is, is whether these, you know, for example, in Georgia, they've eliminated drop boxes virtually. Uh, it's almost impossible. I was trying to film one. I couldn't even get one to film. Um, and yet that was a major method of, of dropping off votes, but because it got killed off by that film, 2000 mules, which by the way, we may laugh at this thing that, that the election was stolen by stuffing drop boxes, but 80% of Republicans who saw that film are now convinced the election was stolen. And, are you ready, 60% of Democrats who saw that film now believe that the election was stolen from Trump. Where is uh, that survey coming from? Where, how, do, how do you know that? Uh, well, our, our team was looking up the various surveys. Now, of course, a Democrat is watching 2,000 Mules, probably in a rural area uh, with his pro-Trump friends, probably may have already voted for Trump anyway because they are... Um, Remember, uh, uh, because uh, the Republican Party is quite small compared to the Democrats in registration, and so you have a lot of Democrats who crossed over to independence. So I wouldn't say 60% of all Democrats. It's just 60% of those who saw it. What I'm saying is it's right. a convincing enough line of baloney. It's pseudoscientific claim, which was, of course, as I've discussed before on this show, is, is beyond absurd, but if you watch the film and you don't know statistics, you don't know how these things work, you will think the election was stolen. The problem is not whether you think the election was stolen, it's the effect on how elections are run. Because of that film and because of similar propaganda and the claims, you got the non-certification in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, you've got um, and, of course, you've got the end of drop, the ability to use drop boxes, everything that makes voting harder. You've got, uh, and, of course, we talked about the massive vigilante challenges, which I haven't heard anyone in the press. Uh, we're alone in reporting this story, Dennis, on vigilante voting uh, challenges where any individual can challenge another. Right. A and, um, you know, it does go back again to history, this was first used in 1946 by Eugene Talmadge, who, uh, who uh, uh, successfully defeated an incumbent Democrat for governor on the grounds he says, I will make sure that no black person ever votes in Georgia again, and here's how we do it. We fill out these challenge. Individual citizens can challenge other citizens. Here's mimeograph forms. What the new GOP has done and the alt-right, which is sees the GOP has done, is taken into cyberspace. They don't fill out mimeograph forms. They now hand in thumb drives. I kid you not. One thumb drive with 32,000 names challenged, one thumb drive with 13,000, one with 4,000. Wow. It's unbelievable. They don't even have to fill out the forms. They just hand in the thumb drive of names given to them by the Texas group True the Vote. 
I mean, so we are looking at, it's hard for Europeans, having reported in Europe, for obviously for BBC, but for Arte and, and other outlets, they simply can't believe that people do this in America. I mean, it's just, we look at, at this whole voting thing of, reg, by the way, even registration itself is, is not done in, in half the nations. It's not, why do you need to say, I'm a voter, I'm, now I'm going to vote? It's all a way to remove voters from the voter rolls. You don't create voter rolls except to remove people. You don't create voter rolls to help people vote because you don't need a voter roll. Um, but so this is going to be a blood battle, and I'm afraid it might end up in real blood in Georgia. Greg, we only, I'm sorry, we only have a minute left, and I, I have to ask you to comment on the fact that uh, another hero like Raffensperger, who is a fake hero, all of a sudden you've got this named Ben Ginsburg, who is uh, the noble <laughs> representative of the Republican Party. Ben Ginsburg, the hero. Do you have a problem with that? Uh, yeah, I have a problem with Ben Ginsburg, who uh, said the election wasn't stolen. He stole it. I'm talking about the election of 2000 when he was the lawyer for the Republican National Committee for, for George Bush, who uh, successfully argued that it doesn't matter what the people of Florida, how they voted, the Florida legislature has decided that the real electors are the, um, the Bush Republican elector slate. So remember that, just so you understand, I think it's important that, that this guy, Ben Ginsburg, who now the Democrats are again lauding. This is a problem. We got I, what I call Trump deranged. 30 seconds. Syndrome. Yeah, you can't just say because someone challenges Trump that they are moral and correct. This guy is really dangerous. He has actually said that legislatures, not voters, determine the slate of electors. That's an opening for Trump 2024. Very dangerous. Exactly. We shouldn't be applauding this guy. We should be cuffing him and reading him his rights. He's an election. And, and don't forget that to solidify that, uh, Bush had a special communications director named Nicole Wallace. My name is Dennis Bernstein. That's Greg Palace. You've been listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoint's Pacifica Radio. Stay tuned for a lot more, and KPFA will be covering the hearings tomorrow.